Morning, South Hills. Morning. It's good to be with you guys today. I'm excited to actually talk on this series. I feel like every week I've gone up to Randy afterwards and been like, I really like this series. I really do, because I think there's so much damage that's done when we just go on believing these things that we've heard, maybe that we've thought, maybe that we've taught, and then to go back and say, did God really say that? And so just to give you a quick recap of what we've talked about, you know, first week we talked about that thing that people say, everything happens for a reason. And they mean it well, but it doesn't. And Randy got to share with us, actually, God doesn't cause some of those terrible things to happen. Instead, our God is so amazing that he works in the midst of those terrible things and he makes something good, right? He makes beauty out of ashes. We sang that this morning. We also heard that only God can judge me. It was actually Tupac. It was not, in fact, Jesus. Um, and it sounds good, and it sounds like a way to stop people from judging me, but it's just not true. That we are given eyes to see, and we are given a, a chance to speak into people and not judge them or say that they're worth something, but to say, hey, and in love, restore them by help them, helping them see the truth. And then last, it's Disney not Jesus, that says, just follow your heart. What Scripture tells us is that your heart can be deceptive. Your heart can lead you very far from the heart of God, but it's Jesus who leads us back to the heart of God. And we're going to close out the series with this one. It says, all sins are basically equal. All mistakes that you might make are just, they're the same. There's no difference between this mistake or that mistake, this sin or that sin. And I I confess that I have thought this in the past. I I have said this in the past. And I think we tend to say this in two situations. First of all, we say it when I don't want you to judge me for what I'm doing, right? You come at me and I'm like, okay, well, I may be doing X, but you're doing Y and they're the same, so you can't talk to me, right? You can't speak to me because they're the same. It's kind of like the judging we talked about a couple weeks ago. I preempt your judging by just saying, you can't come at me because you got the same stuff. But another more common way, especially in our culture, we don't want to judge. So I pre-excuse your sinning so that I don't have to talk to you. I go, you know what? They might be sinning, but I am too. So I'm just going to let them continue to sin. Because they're the same. So I can't, I can't talk to them about this. We normalize these mistakes. We say, you know what, all mistakes are pretty much the same. But the question we have to ask ourselves as we are in this series is, did God say that? Is that true? And to do that, we're going to talk about the word sin, which is everyone's favorite word. We just love it. <laughs> if everybody hears them talking about sin, they're like, awesome, I will be in the parking lot. Um, thank you. You guys, I appreciate the laughter. That's awesome. But truly, sin is an uncomfortable word. It's a word that we use in the church. It's a word that we use outside the church. And we don't always know what it means. So the definition that we're using for sin today is this. That sin is an attitude or action out of alignment with the way God made the world to work. I'm going to say that again. Sin is an attitude or action that is out of alignment with the way that God made the world to work. And so for us to think that that's what sin is, first of all, we have to believe in a God who made the world to work a certain way. And when we read the scriptures, when we read Genesis, that's the kind of God that we see, right? Because he goes through creation and after every day of creation, he creates a new thing and he goes, 
That's good. And the word that he uses there for good in the Hebrew is not like, that's good. You know, like when you bring someone for Thanksgiving and you're just like, yeah, it's good. You know, people want to be kind. This word in the Hebrew, it actually means good, beautiful. It means working exactly like it's supposed to. And so he creates the skies and the oceans and the earth. He goes, that's good. That's beautiful. That's working just like I meant it to. He creates the animals and he's like, yes, that's just how I meant it to work. And then he gets to human beings and he says, that's very good. That's working just how I wanted it to work. But then what happens? Sin enters the picture through Adam and Eve. And sin begins to pull us away from that alignment. Because when we're living the way God wants us to live, we're in alignment. We're doing, we flourish. But sin pulls us off that mark. And instead of flourishing, we see this decay. We see throughout those stories of Scripture, you see people more and more living the way they want to live and feeling the consequences of that. In fact, one of the words in the, in the New Testament that we use for sin, it means missing the mark. It's an archery term, right? Just missing the mark a little bit. And that little bit missing the mark over and over again pulls us further and further from this good world that God created us for. But what I love about the Scriptures is just as there's this arc of a story that's just humanity falling into an abyss, God doesn't sit in the Garden of Eden just like, I told you. Because the story of Scripture is God again and again chasing after His people and drawing them back to good. He does it through the law, through the Old Testament, but he ultimately does it in the person of Jesus who calls us back to this good and perfect way that God would have us to live. So today we're going to look at some scriptures, some things that Jesus said about sin, some things that his followers said about sin. Because we need to have the right understanding if we're going to really say, are all sins equal? So first we're going to start in Romans. In Romans 6.23, it says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The thing is, when we act like sin's not a big deal, when I say, hey, you can't talk to me about my sin because you're sinning, or when I don't allow myself to see your sin because I'm sinning too, we're allowing death to remain in our lives. We're allowing death to remain in people we love's lives. Imagine if I knew that there was a leopard in Randy's living room and after church today, I'm just like, have a great Sunday. Like, that's messed up. (laughs) If Randy found out that I knew there was a leopard in his house, he's going to be like, warning, like text message, something. (laughs) But when we allow sin, which the wages, that means when you do the work at your job, you expect wages. Right? That's just natural. When we do the work of sin, what we get back is death. Now, I want to be clear because obviously none of us the first time we sinned just like hit the dirt that day, right? This would be an empty auditorium at this point. But we also have seen what comes from sin. Sometimes it literally is death, right? I know people that their fathers were alcoholics and they were alcoholics. And they saw their fathers die early. Why? Because the wages of that life that is off of alignment from the way God meant you to be 
You weren't meant to depend on alcohol. You weren't meant to go to alcohol for your emotional needs. When we do that, some of the consequences are death. We see it in the story of Adam and Eve. A generation after sin comes in, they see, they have the ability to sin. They're immediately filled with shame, which was not how God meant it to be. And within a generation, one of their kids is killing the other kid. The wages of sin is death. But even in more subtle ways, we see generation after generation how sin affects us. As a parent, I can tell you someday my kid's going to be like, what the heck, dad, in the ways that I struggle with sin? And I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm sorry. Right? Because the wages of sin that we pass to our children and their children, and Scripture tells us this, is death. And then in Romans 3.23, we see this. Everyone is sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. And that's why I can say, if, if sin was death meant immediately goodbye, we'd have an empty auditorium because we've all done this. We've all fallen short of that good, that thing that we're aiming for. We've all done it. And so sometimes in response to that, we feel overwhelmed by that. So we say, well, I, I didn't kill anybody. Right? We kind of push back against that idea that every sin's the same. We're like, okay, well, I didn't do anything that bad. But in our definition, we said that sin is attitudes and actions. And the reason we can say that is because something that Jesus himself said in Matthew 5, he said this, you've heard the commandment that says, you must not commit adultery, but I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And that's hard to hear right now. In the context of who Jesus was speaking to, he was speaking to people that knew the law well. Right? They knew that the line was adultery. And they kept people on that line. Right? But they would come right up to that line. And we do that today too, right? I was a youth pastor, let me tell you. <laughs> Anytime we talked about sex, it was always like, where's the line? Where's, how do I get as close to the line? But we do that in so many aspects of our lives, right? We want to know where the line is. And what Jesus is saying in this moment is he's calling us back to the good. He's not saying aim slightly better. No, he's calling us back to that good, working exactly as it was meant to work. But when we hear that, I think sometimes we're almost like Adam and Eve being back in the garden again. I know when I hear that, I go, well, I can't do that. I've tried really hard to be good, and I sin again. And so, just like Adam and Eve were overcome with this guilt and this shame, we start to feel like, well, I'm not good enough for that, and we just start to throw it all out. You know what? I can't be good, so I'm not even going to try. We take the Thanksgiving Day approach, if you know what I'm saying, right? I, I've already gone way over my calorie budget. I might as well eat this entire pumpkin pie. Just go for it. But I want to tell you, there is hope. because. Jesus doesn't want you to leave this place filled with shame. And I think the church has done this wrong for a long time in the way we talk about sin. I was joking with Randy before. Um, Good Friday, which I almost always call Black Friday. I always mix those two up. But <laughs> Right? Doesn't it feel like Black Friday should be Good Friday and Good Friday should be Black Friday? Am I alone? Okay. Um, Good Friday is the Friday before Easter. And growing up where I went to church, Good Friday service was where you just went to feel as bad as you possibly could because Jesus died on the cross for you. 
And I think on some level, we think that if we can make people feel bad enough about their sinning, that they'll stop sinning. Which is like, my house is on fire, I'm going to grab a blowtorch, right? It doesn't make sense. But Jesus does want you to feel a little guilty. And stay with me here. This is not, this is not the part where you get an amen, right? But Jesus does want you to feel a little guilty. And there is a difference between shame and guilt. Uh, there's a book that I love called Why Emotions Matter. And it's by one of the guys who co-founded Bible Project. If you've ever heard of Bible Project, they do these awesome videos about Scripture. I recommend them. They do beautiful animation. And one of their co-founders uh, with his wife, who's a counselor, wrote this book, Why Emotions Matter. And they look at emotions through a Christian lens that God gave us emotions on purpose. That our emotions have an intention. And when we deny why we have emotions, then we miss out on what they're trying to tell us. And they talk about the emotion of shame or guilt. And guilt has a purpose. When you feel guilty, that means you've done something out of alignment with the way you know you should be living. And guilt is that thing that motivates you to get back on with alignment. Now where we get into shame, which is that unhealthy Acting out of that emotion is when we stay in that place. When instead of saying, oh, I did something bad, they say, I am bad. Right? Guilt says, I did something bad. Shame says, I am bad. Guilt says, I need to do something to make amends for this. Shame says, there's nothing I can do. But, guilt can be healthy. Guilt can remind us and show us that we've done something that's out of alignment with what God wants us to do. So we've all sinned. We've all damaged our relationship. We've invited that leopard into our home. We've invited death into our home, into our families in some way. And it doesn't matter if that was a big sin. It doesn't matter if that was a little sin. We are all in need of the mercy of God to help us to escape from that to help us to step out of that shame, to feel that guilt, but then to move forward. If we're going to move forward, we need Jesus. We need him. And in that way, sins are equal. We've all sinned. And sin separates us from God if we don't have his help to get back in alignment. In that way, sins are equal, right? That's what Jesus was saying when he said, lust is the same as adultery. They both separate you from God. Also in that passage, he says, it's the same to be angry with somebody as it is to murder them. They both disconnect us from God. But I think we understand that those sins are not equal in every way. The real truth is, is that although sins disconnect us from God equally, the consequences affect us differently. Right? Because I, I say unkind things to people in my car in traffic. Maybe. Allegedly, I say that. That's very different from then pulling that guy over and murdering him. We understand that that's different. The sin may disconnect us from God, because what Jesus said is, if I call my brother an idiot, I'm not loving that person the way God loves them. I'm out of alignment with the way God wants me, but obviously the consequences of murder are different. And we can use the example of, of an affair, adultery, versus looking at someone lustfully. 
right? We understand that the consequences, the damage that is done through an affair is different, right? When we have an affair, uh, what is the damage to us, right? We've betrayed a, a vow that we made. And we've, we've snuck around and we've lied in a way that's, that's hurtful to our very souls. What about the damage to other people? Obviously to our spouse, we've betrayed them, we've hurt them. Uh, I can tell you, my, my parents, my dad had an affair. I talked to him before this message. I, ask, I always like to ask before I share this story, but my dad had an affair. And I'm, I'm blessed that my parents stayed together, but it had a huge impact on me. It changed the way I view everything. I had a lot of things that I had to work through because of that. That ripple effect of damage is different than another sin would be. What about to the damage to other people around us? We don't, I'll tell you, being in the middle of that maelstrom, there are people that you don't even think about it hitting, that it does, that it affects. People who looked up to you, who looked to your marriage for a source of strength, and now when that falls, they're hurt. What about to the damage of, of what it means to be a Christian? We've done so much damage to what marriage looks like in our culture because we don't embody how to love our spouse the way Christ loves us which is what we're called to do. And lastly, the damage to the world at large. We see that sin that started with Adam and Eve in this perfect garden, this perfect world. Look at the world now. Lying. People taking advantage of others. Murder. I mean, the, the, the effects of sin, the wages of sin being death is this decay, this ripping the world apart that happens in our society. And even though we might just miss the, a little bit, we're a part of that tearing apart. But you know what I love isn't on that list of the damage that we do, is damage to God. We would think, oh, do we, do we really hurt God? The truth is you don't hurt God when you sin. Do you know why? Because your sin already hurt God. That pain has already been inflicted upon God and when it was inflicted upon Jesus on the cross. Sometimes we use that language, right? We want to feel really bad for something we did, so we're like, you're hurting Jesus. He already took care of that. That pain and that debt is paid. And that's the beauty of the Gospel. Because sin is equal in that it's paid for. You don't need to carry that shame around with you anymore. It's paid for. The reason that God doesn't want us to sin isn't because he's mad because we hurt his feelings. It's because he loves you. He doesn't want you to step out of sin because it hurts him. He wants you to step out of sin because it hurts you. And I love this image of God that we have of like this angry old man who just doesn't want you to have fun. I mean, I know I've felt like that. Now that I'm a parent, I realize my parents definitely didn't like not want me to have fun. At the time, I'm like, you just don't want me to have fun. In reality, they probably just didn't want me to die, right? Because now my kid's like, why won't you just let me eat Wendy's for every meal? It's like, because it's not a good idea, you know? But we have this image of God as just this cosmic buzzkill. But we forget that it is God who created this world to be enjoyed. Randy and I were talking, I love coffee. And like, I love coffee. I'm a, bit of a, I'm a bit of a coffee snob, right? I love finding different coffees from all over the world. I love tasting them. Let me tell you, so coffee has more like taste 
uh, compounds more different tastes than wine. And so God put all of this potential in this plant that we have to pick as cherries, dry out, roast, grind, and then make coffee out of. Like what? So that I could sit in my home in Nampa and be like, oh, this tastes like blueberries. This is delicious, right? God has packed so much potential for fun and joy and enjoyment in his creation. I asked for permission to talk about this, and Randy said I could. He will regret this in 30 seconds. But let's talk about sex for a moment. Let's talk about how Christians talk about sex and how we live out sexuality. We act like it's something we should never talk about. And if you enjoy it, you keep that to yourself. And the hard thing about sin, sexual sin gets talked about a lot in Scripture. Because when we miss the mark with sexual sin, the consequences are different. Just like what we talked about today. The scriptures say that sexual sin is one of the only ones that really harms us, our very soul. And the consequences of sexual sin are, are incredible. But also, let's remember that part of the reason that is is because sex is wonderful. Sex is something we should enjoy talking about. Sex is something we should raise our daughters and our sons to in, look forward to. Instead of being like, don't talk about that. Until they have to go out in the world and learn what the world says about sex because we gave them a boring image of what it's supposed to be. God is not a cosmic killjoy. He hates sin because it is full of false promises. Sin writes a check, but it doesn't have the funds to back it up. It says it's going to make you happy, right? If you have sex with enough people, you're going to really feel happy. Nope. But he also hates sin because it pulls us away from this vision of who you were meant to be, walking in alignment with him. That's what he wants to see. But when we talk about this idea that all sins aren't equal, that doesn't mean we need to go from here and like make a top 10, right? And rank them. Because that's what we do as Christians. We kind of rank sins and we manage them, right? We try to keep our sin list as small as we can. We just try really hard to be good. We maybe have one or two sins that we don't talk about or that people don't need to know about. And we just try to be really good. But that's not what Jesus called us to. Right? He didn't say that, hey, lust, that's also sin. That's just as bad as adultery, just so we could be like, all right, cool. I just want, I'll just keep it small. No, this is what he says. He says this in Titus 3.8. This is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to insist on these teachings so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. These teachings are good and beneficial for everyone. Do not get involved in foolish discussions about spiritual pedigrees or in quarrels and fights about obedience to Jewish laws. These things are useless and a waste of time. Often in the church, we talk about how good I am and my pedigree and how good I am at keeping the rules. Look at me. And we get right up to the line and we don't step over, but we miss out on the fact that God wants us to do good. He doesn't want you to just do as little bad as you can. He says, devote yourself to doing good rather than simply settling for not doing anything all that bad. Right? Don't shrink that list down to just a couple bad things you do, but actually go out and do good things. The church is too long focused on not sinning. And we've abandoned the idea of going out into our world and in our, into our communities and doing good. 
I want us to read the rest of Romans 6. We read it earlier, this idea of the, the wages of sin being death. But before that, I think it sums up what, we, what we're just talking about. So Romans 6, 21-22 says this. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do. Things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. I love it when we look at the context of a scripture. And actually, Kaylee, we put that back up. Because I just love, it walks us through everything we've already just talked about. You are slaves to sin, and you were filled with shame because of that. You, you felt bad, and there wasn't anything you could do about it because you were just caught in this slavery to sin. But now you're free. You're free to do those things that lead to holiness. Holiness is another word for that good that God designed you for. And now you can have eternal life. And eternal life starts right now. Eternal life isn't wait till heaven and then it's going to be great. Eternal life is right now you get to step in a life of living in alignment with what God wants you to live. That's what God is calling you to. So just like sin is this cycle downward, sin is this death ripping the world apart, we don't just try to, try to minimize our, our addition to that. Instead, we are invited to something called the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is the opposite of that process. While sin tries to rip the world apart, the kingdom of God is putting the world back together. As we step out, as we look for those good things that God would have us do, we're stepping into our world and we're bringing Jesus with us and we're putting that world back together. We say it in the Lord's Prayer, God, make it on earth like it is in heaven. So maybe this sermon is about you. Maybe you feel a little guilty. And maybe that's okay. But the question is now what? And the beautiful thing is you're not alone in this. First of all, you have the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't just say, hey, here's how I live. Look how awesome I am. Good luck. He says, actually, it's better that I go so that you would have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And actually, one of the things the Holy Spirit does is it makes us feel that little bit of guilt. But it also empowers us to make the steps, to make amends, and to live a new way. So in a little bit, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to leave some silence, which makes everyone really comfortable. And I just want you to pray. Say, Holy Spirit, would you just reveal to me what is the thing in my life that I may need to step out of? And what's the good thing that you would instead have me step into? And if it's not magic, if he doesn't speak to you, that's okay. But let's continue to pray that he would point out that thing. And the second thing, and Randy talked about this before, you're not alone because we're here with you. James says that if we confess our sins to each other, we're healed. You weren't meant to live this alone. And when we confess to each other, there's a healthy version of this sin is equal where we can go, me too. And now let's lean into Jesus together and let's, let's live more like him. And it's that, that's when we're healed. That's when we step out of shame is together as a community. So I'm going to pray for us now. We're going to leave some silence for the Holy Spirit and then uh, we're going to be done for today.
But the good thing is that the Holy Spirit isn't done and you are not done. God has good things for you to do. Let's pray.